This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. I love reading. I love reading the Psalm 138. It's a, it's a, it's a victory song by David. It's a, it's a Psalm of praising God and glorify him and probably appropriate for this Monday morning. He says, I will praise you with my whole heart. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. We were made to, with our whole heart, have a relationship with God. We were made to know him intimately with our whole being. And we shouldn't miss out on that. And and David said, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart. I'm going to seek God out with all that I am and all that I ever can be. I'm going to seek him out. He says, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praise to you. Notice that G, if you have your Bibles, is is a little G. What he's saying is all the other things that distract me, all the things that can become idols and gods in my life. He says, before them, I'm going to sing praises to you. What he's saying is I'm putting you preeminent. I'm putting you right there in the front. I'm making sure that when life is going on, you're in, you're the main thing. And that, that, that is orienting your mind. I, I, I love the Psalms in the morning because it orients your mind toward what is true and what is right. There's plenty of problems to get focused on. There's plenty of things that are going on around us to, to get our minds and hearts heading in other directions. But David says, that, he says this in the morning, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise him with my whole heart. I'm going to put him above all the things that might distract me and might turn me away from what God has done. You know, God always puts his people in a place for an hour for their ability to glorify him. You were made to glorify God. I want you to hear me today. You were made to glorify God, and he wants to put you in a position and a place where you uniquely glorify him in the life that you have, in the place that you have. He He. He. he intentionally has you where you are today to glorify him in the unique way that you glorify him. And he wants you to be able to do that above all the things around you, all the distractions. He desires that for you so that one day you could turn around and look and say, in the days I lived, in the place I was, among the people I lived among, I glorified God. And this is how I did it. And this is how God carried me through it and, and taught me in the midst of it and struggled and allowed me to struggle to see see my days prosper before him and to have his best before him. And the best doesn't mean that that according to the world standards, you're rich or wealthy. The best is God's perfect and pleasing will for you. That's what David said. He said, I'm going to sing to you before all other gods. Before everything else, I'm going to sing to you. He says, I will worship towards your holy temple. He says, I'm going to orient my face toward where you're at. Now, back in that day, that was in Jerusalem. The interesting thing today is that's where now it's inside of us. Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't come with careful observation. It's not in a temple built by human hands anymore, but it's inside of you. It's inside of you. God has made a way 
to be close and personal with you. And the way he did that through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, King Jesus, and sending his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Tell me we don't have a message of hope today. We do. God lives inside of us. Go meet him. Go hang out with him. Go be with him. Tell your friends about him. He's inside of them. And you go, what about, don't they have to say a prayer? Don't they have to do this, that, the other? Listen to me. Listen to me. God's been at work way ahead of all that. If they have any inclination that God's there, if they hear God's voice inside of them, he's already been there. That's the cool thing about God. God's always already been at work way long time before before we recognized it. God's been doing things way before you realized it. Your realization of God didn't bring him into existence. He existed and then you realized that he existed. And those are that's a whole different way of looking at things. It's a whole different way of seeing things. He existed and he was at work in your life before you realized it, okay? And if he wasn't, then that means you conjured him up. You didn't. That's not true, okay? He was already at work in you before you ever realized it. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Who did the acting first? He did. He says, I will worship toward the holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. And he is. Boy, I love that. I love that word his loving kindness. He he showed kindness toward us, though yet we were sinners and lost, though we had nothing. He showed his loving kindness toward us, that we should be called children of God. He, he looked on us in, our, in the midst of our worst, the most terrible that we could possibly be, and he found loving kindness in his heart toward us. Love and a kindness to not leave us where we were, lost and separated, but to bring us to him and to his kingdom, to adopt us as his children and make us his own. You can't get any better than that, can you? You can't get any better than that. He says, I will praise you for your loving kindness and your his truth matters. We're going to talk about that a lot coming up. A lot of times, uh, especially next Sunday, we're going to talk about the yeast of the Pharisees. And, and what that is legalism. It's the idea that, that somehow we can get to God by following rules. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Our relationship with God is a context, is in the context of not rules, but a relationship. And are, are, is there a way God wants us to live? Is there a righteousness and a holiness and a life that God has for us? Absolutely. But the way he teaches us is not as, as a rule giver, not as a lawgiver. That didn't work in the Old Testament. Jesus explained that on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. You heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But anyone who has it in his heart's already done it. We've already got it in our hearts. So the issue is not uh, fixing fixing the problem by uh, keeping us from doing it on the outside. It's already on the inside. It's like a virus. It's already a problem. And the way he fixes this is not fixes the outside. He doesn't clean up the outside and make it look good by us living by rules. He cleans up the inside by changing our heart and making us new. And, and that's what we're going to talk about. And ultimately, that's what his truth does. His truth doesn't, his truth doesn't polish us up on the outside. His truth fundamentally changes us on the inside. And, and a relationship and a walk with God that fundamentally changes somebody on the inside, that's where life is. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. 
That's where courage comes from. That's where faith comes from. That's where power comes from. Is the fundamental changing of our lives by God's truth as it washes over us, as it fills us up, as it as it empowers and shows us who we really are. And you know what? Uh, I don't have to, as a pastor, go around and say, quit doing that, stop doing this, and we need to be doing that, and do this, and don't do that, and all that kind of stuff. You know why? Because that doesn't change anything. But the intimate truth of God speaking to the heart of a believer is life-changing, and it's hope, and that's what life's really about. And so he says, for you have magnified your word above all your names. Notice, his word, who's his word? Jesus his word is magnified above everything else. Jesus is the full manifestation of God. He is the full understanding of God to humankind. He's our Lord and our King. And he's the one who, who gives us all understanding and all knowledge and all truth. And so when you're, boy, when you've got Jesus, when you, when Jesus is his truth, his word, that's why we get so focused on God's word. It's not because it's not because we're some kind of Bible-thumping fundamentalist. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a constant pouring of Jesus over us, uh, filling us up, covering us up so that we can know him. And that's what changes lives. I want you to hear me today. That's what changes lives. It's not an empty message of hope. It's a message that really literally literally changes everyone. It, 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 it fundamentally alters who they are and how they think and how they see the world and how they see life. And so we give the word of God and the word of God goes in and it identifies the things that need to be made new. It identifies the things that need to be got rid of. It identifies the things that need to be empowered and strengthened. And, it, and, and the word of God by the Holy Spirit just starts changing a person's heart, starts changing who they are. We have a message of hope and it's, we have, we have a, a magic elixir. We have something that... Well, we've got the cure. We've got the cure to humanity. And the cure to humanity is Jesus. It is. And so we that's why we get so focused on God's word. That's why we talk about God's word all the time, because God's word changes lives. Jesus changes people. He does. He does. And when we got that, what more do we need? We don't need anything more. He says, David says that. He says, for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. See, when I realized that you were there and I cried out to you, you didn't hold back from me. You gave me your truth. You answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Isn't that what happens? God's word, his word just makes us bold with strength in our soul. It it emboldens us to uh, to be able to love, to be able to change, to be able to see hope in life where there doesn't seem to be any hope in life. He says, in the day when I cried out to you, you answered me, and you made me bold with strength in my soul. See, that's the opposite. That's the opposite of the yeast of the Pharisees. Yeast of the Pharisees says, do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The way God works is his son. The revelation of his son, his word, comes deep inside. That truth comes inside of us, and it alters us, and it makes us fundamentally different, and it makes us bold in strength in our soul. I want you to memorize that verse. Memorize verse 3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Is that true for you? Did that happen for you? If it did, that means you're born again. You're one of his children. 
If even hearing that this morning, you heard it for the first time, you're one of his. You wouldn't have heard it. You wouldn't have understood it. He not revealed it to you today. What a great promise that is. What a great word that is. What a great message of hope that is. In the days when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold within the strength and, and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. See, that's a looking forward and saying, God's all the kings of the earth are going to praise him. No matter what the TV says, no matter what the media says, no matter what anybody else says, all the kings of the earth are going to praise you. When they hear the words of your mouth, yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. Even if they don't know him, they're going to sing about him. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. He says, for great is the glory of the Lord. It is. It is. And you were made to glorify him. He says, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. See, even though he's above all things, he has regard for you. He has regard for you. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what your struggle is. Don't you hear me? I don't care how bad you've been, as we talked about yesterday. I don't care what the shame you have is for whatever you struggle with. I don't care. I don't care. He has regard for you. He has regard for you. He's heard your voice. He knows the struggle of your heart. He knows the struggle against sin. He knows the struggle and the pain of your failures. He knows it, and he has regard for you. He has seen it. He has understood it, and he's looked on it with his loving kindness, and he's come in and filled you with his truth. And let me tell you something. The truth's hard. It's painful sometimes. It brings about tears. It brings about conversion. It brings about repentance. And, and sometimes it's painful to look on yourself through God's eyes. But then it's also uh, healing and hopeful, life-changing and releasing. And the shame's gone and the pain's gone. It's placed on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. And then you walk new and clean and washed and made whole. He says, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from afar. See, pride in who you are and hanging on to your own ways and your own will keeps you away from God. It does. The pride of who you are will keep you from who you ought to be. It always does. Pride of who you are keep you from who you ought to be. And when I say who you ought to be, not who you ought to be by your own will who you ought to be because God has willed it so. Don't let the pride of the things you've done in the past and the struggles of the past keep you from who you ought to be. Do not allow that to happen. You don't have to. God has released you from it. He says, though I walk in the midst of troubles, you will revive. What a good word is that? Though I walk in the midst of troubles, you will revive me. You'll give me life. He says, you will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. You got it? Do we need any other message of hope out there? Anybody else need anything? That's all we need, ain't it? All, all we got's all we need. I think that's that uh, song they're singing now during sports events. We all we got, we all we need. Let me tell you something. If, if verse seven is true, that's all we got and that's all we need. Though I walk in the midst of troubles, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. 
Now, don't you think about that. That has some depth to it. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me, meaning I see it. It's a concern of mine. I understand it to be an issue. And God is, because I've seen it, God is at work perfecting it in my life. Which means he knows my troubles. He's at work perfecting it in my life. Think about that. This is a great psalm. He says, the, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. What I do not deserve, what I do not deserve, I get God's grace. What I deserve, I don't get God's mercy. His mercy steps in first. I do not get what I deserve. His mercy endures forever. And then his grace floods in, and I get what I have not earned. Because of his loving kindness, do not forsake the work of your hands. I don't need to forsake his work. I don't need to forsake his work. David says that to his own heart. He says, do not forsake the works of his hand. Don't do that. Don't forsake the work of your hand. I'm not going to. And I hope you don't either. I'm expecting it. In fact, I'm not only expecting it. I'm telling you that God's in the midst of doing a great work for you. He's doing a great work for you, for your family, for your friends, for your church, for your nation, for our town and, our, and the place we live. He's doing a great work for us, and we need to expect it. We need to walk in it. We need to have a message of hope. I'm going to tell you today, do not invite people to church. Go and ask them to come with you. Tell them you'll meet them in the parking lot. Tell them you'll pick them up. Don't invite people. Ask them to join you in the life that God has given us. That's the important thing. We're joining God in the life that he's given us. And we need to invite people to join us in that life. We need to walk alongside them. We don't need to tell them to meet us somewhere. We need to tell them to be with us. And the more people are together, the more they're together, they're empowered by God's word. And they have a vision of what he wants and what he desires for them. The more they do that, the more life opens up and the more hope is there. And the more things are different and strangely new and alive for you. I pray that'll be the case for you today. Uh, As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name. Amen.